Power Ballad of Friday. How can we miss this blunder? Blinder. Hungry <laughs> eyes. That was very good. Blunder or blinder? Yeah. Eric Carmen. Is it, is, is it a blunder or is it a blinder? 2101. I think it's a blinder. Uh, from Dirty Dancing, of course, the song was not only a key piece of the movie but helped the soundtrack sell nearly 50 million copies. But I can't tell you too much more about Eric Carmen except that he was in the Raspberries, if that means anything to you. Probably doesn't. Mind you, um, if you had a hit called Hungry Eyes and it was that successful, I'd definitely do a follow-up. Hungry Pants? Hungry, hungry Lips. Hungry Lips. <laughs> hungry Feet. Yeah. Why not? I mean, it's a great tune, isn't it, Julia Hartley Moore? Oh, Wallace, look, just remember, I, on Zoom, we have to know that's why I'm always butting in, because I can't see you guys. Um, I don't hear the music, but when you said what it was, now, Eric Carmen, I don't mind a bit of Eric. <laughs> that's a great sign offline, I don't mind go. a bit of now Eric. I can hear it. Yeah, okay, so you can't, even, you can't even hear, you, you can't hear the show. All right. What, do you like the song, James? No, I think it should be in the sinkhole. Yeah. Okay. That's... All right. Fair <laughs> enough. I don't. Uh, there you go. Power Bell of Friday, Hungry Eyes uh, by uh, Eric Carmen. Oh, let's come back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, Hungry Eyes, One Look at You and I Cannot Disguise. Um, the panel are NZ National. Speaking of music, if you have something to do at a bar, say, listen to a band, does that reduce drinking? A study out of Australia shows live music can help reduce alcohol-related harm. And for a group in you know, Scarfy full of Dunedin, that's literally music to their ears, the Dunedin Save Live Music Group says it proves that a recent decision by the City Council to protect music venues and look to develop others was the right one. With us is Dr. Fairley Evelyn Gilmore, who's a senior lecturer in criminology at Otago University and a co-founder of Save Dunedin Live Music. Dr. Evelyn Gilmore, welcome to the program. Sure, thank you for having me. Interesting study this, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about it, some of the key uh, points. Sure. So this study uh, actually sits alongside a few coming out of Australia which have consistently shown uh, that having live music and other forms of entertainment does reduce excessive drinking and some of the harms of excessive drinking. In a way, it makes sense, doesn't it? And I, if, I'm to, if I'm to put a Dunedin lens on it uh, fairly, I can recall, for example, going to a, this is in the 90s now, going to a cafe, you'd see a band, but there'd also be good craft beer on tap. But you wouldn't drink that much because, one, you couldn't get to the bar, but, B, the music's great, so you drink less. Absolutely. And um, some of the research that's been done, particularly in Victoria, which is talking to venue operators and so on, has really shown that people, they do just, they still drink, but they drink less on the nights that the music's on. They drink less while the music is specifically uh. on because they're all standing there watching the music. And a, there's a few things that happen. So firstly, the aim is less drink to get drunk because you're there to actually enjoy the band. Uh, but it also slightly shifts the demographics. A bigger range of people are going to be there, and that tends to have a good impact on our on our social behaviours. 
Oh, okay. Let's go around the. You're a big music fan, James. Yeah, and look, I play in a band as well. So the know? idea of yeah, the idea of live music. If there's an, it's a win-win. Less alcohol harm, encouraging live music. It's great. I can recall from the time when I used to do sta- a lot of stand-up at the Classic Comedy Bar in Auckland, and people would come along on a Friday night to see comedy. And a number of people would comment and say, come along on Friday night, have a few beers, a few drinks, and a few laughs, rather than just drinking your way through Friday night, much better outcome. So certainly this idea of entertainment, other than the drinking to get drunk, I think it's fantastic. Right, stay there fairly, let's bring Julia in. Well, I'm not sure I agree with you. Um, the thing is, like Rhythm and Vines, the Mission Estate, are you saying people go there, they don't drink that much have you i mean there's live music it's what it's all about i think look i love music i mean i'm the biggest concert goer there is and i just adore music like a bit of eric um but the thing is i don't know i think when you go to a live listening to a live band i don't know why who drinks less or maybe i'm just on mm, fair point fairly sure so i think definitely um the research definitely indicates this is a harm reduction rather than a getting rid of harm tool. And the fact is, if we're going to have lots of young people congregating and there's alcohol there, there's often going to be more alcohol consumption and related harms and in spaces where that's not the situation. What we do seem to find is if we've just got groups of young people drinking in flats, in house parties, things like that, that's a lot more dangerous than being out seeing a live band. Oh. So it's, yeah. Which has been an issue in Dunedin, hasn't it? The sort of uh, the unfocused, scarfy party, and uh, they can get pretty riotous around the booze. Absolutely. And I think the thing is, young people are going to get up to mischief. What we don't want is them getting up to the kind of mischief which is actually causing real harm that's filling up our A&Es, that's uh, causing ongoing harm for those young people. We want them to look back on their wild youth fondly, not as something that was really, you know, where awful things But you, you don't buy it, uh, Julie. You say you, you and your ilk, you, you get on the white winesies, listen to John Farnham at Mission Estate. Not And you're just... You're just going for broke. Oh, look, you, it's just a lovely atmosphere and you're not going to sit there and not drink. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I go with that. I really am. All right, I'm not don't, sure. I don't agree. Well, you're, a, you're in a band. What do you see when you're on the stage there? Do you see people more focused in the audience or what do you see? Uh, absolutely more focused. Absolutely. No question about it. And other, other forms of entertainment as well. So I, I can see how this is, is a, it's a question of focus, isn't it? Drinking to get drunk versus drinking when there's other things on in the background. So, yeah, I can see how uh, – I'd be interested to see how the actual stats were accumulated on what basis. But instinctively for me, I think it, I, I think it works. So, Fairly, does it extrapolate out to uh, other forms of entertainment? For example, if there was a pool table there. Yeah, so uh, Anne Fox did some work in Australia and it definitely showed it's actually, it's having anything there such that it's not just drinking to get drunk has a positive impact. So playing pool, a comedy night, all those, you know, having a, a pub quiz on, all of those things lessen it. Again, what the studies actually show is people are having a few less drinks every time that's on. It's not saying they're not drinking or the yeah, bars aren't right. making money. It's the excessiveness and it's... Focus is the key issue. Just in terms of while you're here, uh, can I just ask you about the the, the council's Otipoti Live Music Action Plan? 
Where yeah. are you with that? Because um, live music and live music venues in Dunedin, a, a, a town obviously historically known as a pretty famous music city, where are you at with live music venues as it stands now? Look, we've had a hard time here, I think, with some of the venues. And these are issues that lots of cities face in terms of managing, you know, increasing density of inner city living, which is a good thing, but then trying to manage that while keeping the city vibrant and allowing live music to to take place. That's a key thing. Um, So that's a real, you know, it's a really great step, the Live Music Action Plan. Uh, It's a real commitment from the council, and it includes things such as, you know, focusing on opportunities for our young people and safe spaces for them to enjoy, you know, live entertainment. Uh, the next key things, because it passed uh, through council, uh, it's been adopted. It's just about how that actually fits in the long-term plan around funding and priorities. Good on you, Fairley. Kia ora. Appreciate your time today. That's Dr. Fairley Evelyn Gilmore, Senior Lecturer in Criminology at Otago University. That's a study out from Australia that shows live music can help actually reduce alcohol-related harm. But Andy here kind of agrees with Julia. I always drink more when music's playing or a band because I'm having a better time. So I want more to drink. (laughs) Well, the other thing is playing pool. If you're playing pool, there's a certain amount of alcohol that makes you play better. And then there's an amount that makes you play worse, right? So there's a sweet spot. There's uh, a sweet spot. Another one here, uh, WOMAD 2023, alcohol available, very few queues, didn't see a drunk person there. The environment was so immersive that there wasn't a need to drink and dull the fabulous experience. Very interesting. Uh, and look, I've got a, I can't pass, through, pass this fun fact uh, for Power Battle Friday. Tom says, fun fact, the trade name and chorus Hungry Eyes was initially going to be called Poked Needles in My Eyes, <laughs> but foolishly, through an act of blind faith, they changed it back to Hungry Eyes. Thank you. Always the panel listeners that have the right answers for me. 15 away from five, the panel. Now, yesterday, we had former Children's Commissioner Russell Wills on the program claiming child poverty is the forgotten issue of this election campaign. If you haven't heard it, you can go on the online here at rnz.co.nz slash the panel. But while, in his opinion, the government has dropped the ball, he said there are groups stepping in to fill the void and help the kids who need it most. And one of those being Share My Super, he said. They've raised quite an amount. Share My Super encourages retirees to spare some of their super if they have the means to make a difference and change a child's life. With us is Liz Grieve, Share My Super founder. Kia ora, Liz. Kia ora. Well, How are you, Wallace? Oh, look, I'm very well, thank you. And uh, so a bit of a plug there from the former commissioner. I thought, oh, uh, this is interesting. Uh, let's get you on. Tell us about it. Where did the idea come from? How long have you been going? We've been going for uh, almost five years now. And uh, the idea came um, from I got a little envelope in the post advising me that I was entitled to my superannuation. And one is, you know, I've had times when it's been quite hard finding money to pay, pay the bills. But I'd reached the stage where I was very comfortably off. 
And I thought, I don't need this superannuation. I'm entitled to it, but it's not actually going to really impact on my life. But having been a social worker and worked with some of our more deprived communities here, I knew that it could make a phenomenal difference to some of our poorest families. And so I thought, I wonder, you know, could I find a way of giving it back, giving it to those more deprived people? And of course, our neediest are the children in poverty. And I wanted to find a way where other people, other superannuants could join me in giving their surplus superannuation, and I emphasize surplus, to children in need, children who are living in poverty. Well, and here we go. So from a tiny idea, you've, uh, uh, you've raised uh, a substantial amount. What do you make of this, Julia Hartley-Moore? I think it's fantastic, and as a superannuant myself, have, well, I've, I've always given to charity even long before I was a superannuant, but I still do, but I give to more causes now. I give to various other and more child-related causes. So I, I totally agree. I think it's a wonderful idea for those who can afford to do it. For those who can, stay there. Uh, stay there. Uh, Liz, uh, let's bring in uh, James. Yeah, just a, uh, congratulations, Liz. It's a wonderful initiative. I had a look at your Thank website. Look at your website today, and you were on the website. It was listing Kids Can, Women's Refuge, and Pillars. I'm just wondering what basis, because there are lots and lots of potentially different charities in this area. So, on what basis do you align yourselves with with different charities or put them forward? So, there are actually 11 charities on there, and what I looked for, I think, child poverty is absolutely the most important issue that we are facing today. And so they all have elements, ways in which they can help children living in poverty. And it's very complex, as you know. And, uh, you know, one of them is CPAG, Child Poverty Action Group, which is a lobbying group for children in poverty. And we aim to get a broad sweep of a range of charities and yes, we pick them, absolutely, but we monitor them. And uh, once a year, you will get a report on how their charities have fared and what they have done with your money. Uh, the other thing that's quite important is that I fund all the costs of the charity. So we don't clip the ticket. Every single stamp that we buy, I pay for. Every wage that we pay, everything is funded by me. Why do you so why do you why do you do it? Why do you do it? Why would you, as a superannuitant, uh, um, why wouldn't you just put it in the bank and give it to your grandkids or give it to you know what what what's what's the reason? What's the motive that you do it? This is your money. This is yes, this is my money. So here's the deal: I know that my grandkids and I have six of them. I'm very blessed. Age range two to twenty two, they all go to bed well-fed, loved, and I'm not saying that children in poverty aren't loved, by the way, but they have a comfortable house to live in. They have warm, warm clothing. They have enough food in their tummies at night. and They are fine to be educated the next day. They've got enough energy and so on. You know, their health is good. And so I've still got this surplus. And I am just passionate right. about these kids. My background is in social work. 
I've seen what happens to these children if they don't have an equal start. And importantly, I've seen how poverty for children in New Zealand has grown since I first started working as a social worker in New Zealand 45 years ago. Well, Liz... I care about that a lot. Look, I appreciate you being on the panel and uh, that... That really comes through, uh, what you're talking about. Well done. I understand you've raised about a million dollars now. So uh, from tiny beginnings, this is quite something. Share my super founder, Liz Grieve. Thanks for being on the panel. Nine away from five, you are with James Elliott and Julia Hartley more today. Still the text come through about whether um, drink, whether bands at a bar makes you drink more or makes you drink less. The study says it makes you drink less. Someone rather... Uh, Whitley says, um, thank goodness then, Wallace, for all those traditional German umpa bands. Otherwise, there'll be absolute carnage at Oktoberfest. <laughs> Very good. Huh. Eight away from five. Now, how did you first meet? We had some wonderful, wonderful feedback. Enough, actually, we thought, oh, I've got to put the question out there earlier in the week. We thought we'd give another crack. We've got a very special guest joining us about this. That question, how did you first meet? Everyone wants to know. But with us now is Laura. Kia ora, Laura. Hey, Wallace. How are you doing? Very well. So how did you first meet? Tell us. Um, so I met my fiancé um, working in a winery over Harvest. Um, he was permanent there and I was just helping out for the season and he was showing me the ropes and I started falling for him. So <laughs> one thing led to another and, yeah, going strong uh, two and a half years later. Oh, that's so fa- So he's still in the winery. Are you still in the vineyards? Yes, yeah. So I've been in the vineyards for a, a couple of years and um, it's nice to have that industry connection and we sort of push each other um, in our careers and, and, yeah, get along really well on a personal level. So it's, it's a fun meeting story. Isn't this gorgeous, Julia? Oh, it is, Wallace. I love a good romantic story, me. Yeah. <laughs> I've got an image of them stamping on the grapes together in one of those <laughs> barrels. Pushing yes? yes or no? Uh, no, 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 quite a commercial facility. Isn't that <laughs> not, romantic? Not romantic. <laughs> James instantly thought of you two holding each other's shoulders while you're stamping grapes. But we have um, done a few home projects where we've made our own and, and stamped. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, there you go. Hey, Laura, yeah, lovely to have you on. Thank you for that. And yeah, we, 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 amongst the wonderful fair, which was many, I thought, I know. I know the signature. I recognise this name, and it was our very own new host of RNZ Nights. Hasn't started yet. His name's Emil Donovan. Kira Emil. Hello. How are you? I'm great. It's good to have you here. It's lovely to be here. How does the chair feel? It feels good. You'll have to get used to it. Some things have changed since last I yeah. was in here. These are all wood. Um, you apparently now have a, th- a diamond encrusted throne that you sit in <laughs> and broadcast from, Wallace. I asked for it. I got it. And you got it. Uh, hey, you, you won't ask if you don't get. <laughs> you won't get if you don't now, ask. How did you tell us your story? Um, right, so, well, um, my, my partner Shamina and I, we met through the magnificent matchmaker that is uh, Radio New Zealand. 
Um, yeah, it was back in it was back in 2016. Uh, I was the employment reporter, and she was a producer on Morning Report. And uh, we crossed paths, and we became friends. I can hear HR's ears pricking up now. <laughs> we did not um, our romance did not blossom while we were we were co-workers. She went off to the UK in about 2017, and um, I moved up to Auckland. And then in 2020, um, I saw on the RNZ website that she had had a piece published um, talking about COVID and coming back to New Zealand from COVID, and so and, and that she was coming back to Auckland. And so I texted her and said, you know, oh, do you want to get a drink? Very platonically, very platonically. <laughs> I insist, very platonically. Yeah. Uh, and then I was at the bar waiting waiting for, for her to turn up. And um, she came out of the Uber in this uh, jumpsuit, absolute <laughs> smoke show. Oh, magnificent. And uh, that was it. The rest is history. Three years on, we're, oh, we're still together. I think he doth platonic too much. <laughs> you know, it's, I, there's something special about how you first met. Yeah. You know, it speaks to that sort of... Um, I don't know. It's, 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 I guess it's romance. It's a tale. You know, what about you? Well, I met my wife, Rachel, when she was a lawyer uh, advising the company that I worked for. And so met in a professional capacity, turned into a social capacity, very platonic, as Emil would say, and then went a bit further. But the thing that we both discovered later is that Rachel was uh, used, the firm had its own brochure for promoting its services, and this is entirely true. She was uh, in a picture under the heading "Client Intimacy," <laughs> so so it was it was right. it was foretold. That's completely true. We've got the copy of the brochure at home. So. Good heavens above! I met my husband in the operating theatre fifty nine years ago. Uh, he died last year. Such an amazing life. Uh, wonderful. Anything to add to this, Julia? Well, I um, met my husband um, in 20, uh, 2000, in 2000, when he did a piece on me on 60, it was 60 Minutes back then, it's now Sunday, Steve Butler, who you know, Wallace, um, and it wasn't until 2008 that we sort of started to chat. I saw him regularly, and I always thought he was lovely, but I just thought he was too young for me. Um, and then it took him a year. He kept phoning me up, and I thought, why is this guy phoning me all the time? What's wrong with him? Was and he leaving messages? Said, <laughs> hey, we were talking. We were talking. I thought, what's what's this about? Why is he talking to me so much? And so my friend, my girlfriend said, well, he fancies you. And I thought, oh, right. So I made him wait a year. <laughs> and That's the way. Exactly. That's the way. That's what we do. Wait, absolutely. She that, was platonic, right? And that was 15 years ago. I'm loving these so stories, took- all of you. It's just wonderful. Steve, yours there. And Emil, i got to say, while you're here, we can't wait for you to be on nights. I'm very excited. Really, yeah. really excited. Are you, though? Yeah, I really, I really truly yeah. am. Yeah. It's, it's going to be great. I'm, 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 I'm really cannot wait to do it. Yeah. We're in sort of the planning stage of, of things at the moment and, and figuring out how so, the show's going to so work. So what's your life going to be? What are the hours that you're going to be on? Well, the hours, James, will wait be... And uh, yeah. so wait, <laughs> wait and see. Wait and see, James. Wait and see. No, no, no. Well, they will be inhospitable. Um, but I'm a bit of a night owl, so they actually suit me down to the ground. I, I, I like doing things during the day and then Good on you. mooching around at night. Oh, it's fantastic. So, so exciting for RNZ. Kia ora, Emil. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, and man. what a great uh, panel you have both been. James Elliott, Julia Hart M. Warm. Everyone do stay safe out there. It's uh, I, And I get a peanut slab from you, James. You do. Kind of you, isn't it? Yeah. Friday afternoon. I'm Wallace Chapman. Back tomorrow, 3.45. Thanks to my producer, Liz Brown. Checkpoint with Lisa Owen is next. <laughs>